You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Your part in God's promises. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphian Video. God's promises exhibit his generosity and willingness to work with those who seek him. The promises to Abraham show God intends to involve other people who come to have faith as Abraham did. The promises are explained to the king, David and Solomon, involving the future re-establishment of the kingdom of God in the territory of Abraham. These promises are focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, who will return to politically activate them, involving those who follow God's ways. We rely on promises every day, don't we? Um, That people will say something and then they will act on it, that they'll be genuine uh, and uh, and trustworthy, um, or, or perhaps um, that they're going to do something for us uh, to complete a, a certain task. Um, in English, um, we have a, a phrase, don't we? My, my word is my bond, and it, it conveys the that idea of a, a, a guarantee uh, of, of trust. Um, and uh, dates back to uh, as far as I can tell, at least the 16th century. But in uh, 1923, uh, the phrase in uh, Latin was added to the uh, coat of arms of the London Stock Exchange. And I suppose they were trying to suggest the idea that, you know, they were all acting uh, in um, in good ways. Uh, and so they put dictum, meum, pactum uh, on, on the bottom of the crest. Um, but we all have uh, uh, something that we rely on, um, which has got a promise. Um, and uh, you may have an example uh, on you, um, but uh, I just grabbed out of my uh, my phone um, pocket uh, a, a, a note and I can see as I've highlighted up there on the screen, um, it says, I promise to pay the bearer the sum of, and then whatever amount of, of uh, value that the, the note has. Um, so in other words, it's, it's really a kind of IOU um, because the, the note itself, uh, I mean, it's, that, that's got no value at all. It's just a little bit of, well, now plastic was paper, of course, Um, but it's a voucher. It stands in for something that has actual value somewhere else. Uh, I I don't think you can go to the Bank of England with um, a a voucher, a a note, and say, give me um, this amount's worth of of gold or something. But um, that's that's the general idea. By using notes, we're actually exchanging IOUs. And of course, that usually works just fine uh, to, to, to pay things, uh, pay for things 
um, despite these notes themselves having no value. Um, so, you know, we rely on this. Um, this is where I realized I should have been clicking at the point when I got on my notes to say, click to the next thing. So I'll try and get up to speed. Um, so it all works usually, except for when it doesn't, when a bank doesn't have uh, enough reserves to pay out when uh, people want their money back uh, and they might not be able to uh, honor it. Uh, if enough people decide that they're all going to want their money back at the same time, you have uh, a run on the bank. And that happened uh, in the US um, uh, during the uh, stock market crash and thereafter in the early 1930s, and also uh, in Germany during sort of times of hyperinflation again in the 1930s. But more recently and closer to home, you might be able to remember uh, only uh, 2007, wasn't it? Northern Rock and the problems that uh, that had. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say something very patriotic here and say, look how beautifully they're all queuing. And so, it's, so it might, might be a, a really very stressful time, but very well done to the customers of, of Northern Rock there for, for doing queuing so beautifully, uh, um, despite I'm sure being very worried. Um, but it's a sobering reminder, isn't it, that money in the bank is actually not as safe um, as we might hope for, that it, it's relying on promises and actually sometimes those are promises that might not be possible to keep. Um, and perhaps then in life, we really should be looking for something that's even more sure uh, than, than these things. And this is where we turn to scripture and we find exactly that. Um, right from the beginning of God's word in Genesis, we see God making promises and promises which unlike promises in the world around us um, are uh, everlasting. They're, they're sure they are unbreakable. Um, God's very uh, existence um, is the, uh, the surety of his word. And uh, in Genesis, the Bible presents God as um, establishing creation around us. And he does so by speaking his word. It is said, and it comes into existence. God's word is the same as something happening. Um, so Genesis 1 verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let uh, it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. Uh, and verse nine, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and dry land appear, and it was so. So each time God speaks and what God says is what happens. Um, we continue sort of the theme of um, heavens and creation. We were, were thinking about this morning about um, the sun, moon and stars uh, and the psalmist um, here in Psalm 33 saying, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Through the writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament, 
God says that um, the, the universe, everything we see is framed by his word from nothing. God made everything come into being. Hebrews 11 verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And um, again, sort of tying in with what we were looking at earlier, as we've begin, begun to, uh, in, in the last um, few decades, sort of since the, the Second World War, explore space and get more knowledge about it, we just find out how more and more incredible creation is. And yet it's with this planet, with the earth, that God has set his purpose, um, as Isaiah chapter 45 highlights for us. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God, who formed the earth and made it, he established it, he did not create it empty, he formed it to be inhabited. So this is God saying he's got a, a purpose with this earth. I am the Lord, and there is no other. So it, it, it's all for a reason. It's not by chance. Um, and so the promises that God makes are um, backed up by you know, what he has created. Just as we're passing, and again, it sort of relates to what we were talking about earlier, but there's a picture there um, showing um uh, a scene from the uh, apollo 11 mission uh, to land on the moon 53 uh, years ago um and the the question i always like to ask at this point in this talk is uh, who is missing from this picture um and there's usually a stunned silence when people think what on earth is he talking about there's one human being who is not in that picture the person taking it who was the one that nobody remembers annoying poor chap uh, michael collins so the obviously on the the lunar lander which we're seeing there just sort of starting its descent down to the earth to the moon surface um there was buzz aldrin and um, neil armstrong um but taking that picture was michael collins and everyone else is up there on that little blue dot <laughs> There we go. So we looked at the early chapters of Genesis and we saw how they paint a picture of God's creative work. And this sets the foundation for understanding how God works um, in our world. Um, following on from creation, God gives instructions to mankind, simple rules to obey. But man chose to disobey, to um, turn away from what God instructed. And the consequence of that is that God promises that there would be um, repercussions, that um, human beings would be um, uh, mortal. So Genesis 2, after the instruction in verse 16 of you may eat of the tree of every uh, tree of the garden, verse 17 of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die now, later 
uh, at a time when most people had turned away from God, um, God saves Noah and his family. And, and the reason was because Noah had faith. Noah believed God and trusted his promises. Uh, and, and he acted on what God had instructed him. And so he was saved from the flood. God promised to uh, destroy the world with a flood of water at the time of Noah, but then set a bow in the in the cloud, uh, in the sky, a rainbow, um, uh, and talks about it as being a sign of his promise for the future. Verse 13, I've set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that's between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature and all flesh that's on the earth. Um, and we can do that too, actually. We can look at the, the rainbow and remember that God has made a promise and that he will keep that promise. Indeed, God has made many promises and will keep them all. Um, we go on in time through the early uh, chapters of, of the Bible and we reach Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and we see something remarkable. If we um, uh, jump to the New Testament and read what it says about this period of time, uh, the chapter 11 of Hebrews, um, a chapter all about faith, and looking at lots of characters that are mentioned in, in the Old Testament. And it says here in, in verse eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac, Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So talking about a, a, a promise, well, Abraham, um, as uh, he, he was first known as Abram, uh, lived in Ur, uh, which was a, a city in um, modern day southern Iraq, I suppose we would call it. Uh, so um, you are here. No, Ur, Ur is there. That's what that means. Um, just at the top of the, the Persian Gulf. And... Um, it was one of the most sophisticated civilizations um, of its day and indeed for probably for centuries afterwards. It was um, quite extraordinary. The archaeological evidence suggests that uh, they had a very high quality of life, uh, running water and many of the mod, mod cons that um, you know, all homes in Britain didn't have um, perhaps until the last century. Um, so the question is, why would Abraham, Abram, choose to leave that behind and go and live in a tent? Well, just the next verse is the answer. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Not a place built on human ideas, but one where God is at the centre where he is the designer. But we have to go back to the record in 
Genesis to find out the full nature of these promises uh, that Abraham was putting uh, his faith in. So back to Genesis 12, and we see um, that God views Abraham as someone who is seeking him, uh, someone who has faith that God keeps his promises. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Now, the Lord said to Abraham, uh, to Abraham, go from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great uh, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We have to, I think the phrase is unpack that really a little bit, don't we? We have to expand it because we can just sweep over those words and, and almost forget the, the, uh, the scale of what God is saying here. God is choosing Abraham as someone very special because of his faith to receive blessings for himself and for his descendants. But actually, not just for them, but for all nations, all the families of the earth will somehow be blessed because of Abraham. So he begins his, his journey from Ur and heads west to the land that God would show him and when he gets there um, God makes further promises Abraham has shown his faith uh, and so he receives this this reward this this further promise um, uh, verse um, uh, well verses 14 onwards from Genesis chapter 13 Lord said to Abraham after Lot, Lot had separated from him Lift up your eyes, look from the place where you are, northwards, southwards, eastwards and westwards. Um, for all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. So God now promises to him uh, land, a uh, specific land, this land of promise, and promises descendants, a great number of people. And that promise is strengthened further when we get to Genesis chapter 17, um, verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant for an everlasting covenant. And again, verse 8, I'll give to you and your offspring, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. A um, couple of things to note here. Firstly, the reference to, to nations, plural, um, and to royalty, to, to kings. And in both cases, th this everlasting nature uh, of what these promises are about. They weren't just for a period of time and then they would lapse these were things that would be um, permanent. Now, after the, the greatest test of faith that uh, Abraham had when he was um, called to, uh, to, to be willing to offer Isaac his son, um, we could add in passing there and say that this was a, 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 obviously a, a great test of his faith, but one that perhaps tested his faith in resurrection in particular. 
Um, but God makes further promises to Abraham um, in chapter 22. And verse 16 says, by myself, I've sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand of the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Uh, so again, this, this line, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Um, and, and that promise is, is repeated uh, in further occasions in, in Genesis, in Genesis 26, verse 4, to Isaac, uh, Abraham's son, and in Genesis 28, verse 14, uh, to his grandson, Jacob, uh, and again in Genesis 35. Um, so we have a whole series of these promises being built up layer on layer, if you like, as we go through um, Genesis. Um, God's promises don't stop, though, when we get to the end of that book of the Bible. Um, they continue as we look on further through the Old Testament. So we get to the time of um, the, uh, the, the kingdom of um, uh, David, um, and uh, God talks to, to him about establishing his royal line uh, again forever. Second Samuel chapter 7, um, and going in partway through verse 12, uh, I'll raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Well, um, David did have a son uh, who was king after him, Solomon. Um, was that how this was fulfilled? Well, the promise was retold to Solomon as well. First Kings 9 um, and verse 1. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, this, the, the temple in Jerusalem, uh, the Lord appeared to, to Solomon um, and uh, says to him in verse 4, If you will walk before me as David your father walked, then, verse 5, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, you shall not, not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Problem, though, because Solomon did turn away from God and his kingdom was divided. Uh, and the promises are still sure, but they wouldn't be fulfilled now through Solomon himself. Um, when we come to the New Testament, we see how those promises are going to be fulfilled in God's plan. Um, everything that God has promised to Abraham, to Isaac and Jacob can now be understood in what God is promising to Mary, uh, the role that the Lord Jesus would have uh, in carrying out these promises that God had made. Um, Luke chapter 1, I'm reading from verse 26. Uh, 
in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to uh, from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And then continuing verse 31, the angel says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Jesus would be God's son, he would reign from David's throne, and he would do so forever. There will not be an end to the kingdom that he would establish. So just to summarise then, all of the promises that we've seen and put uh, put them in a sort of distilled form together, we see then that uh, uh, these promises have um, an everlasting quality to them. Um, and so from that we can say, well, there must be uh, other things that are buried within that to do with resurrection and eternal life. Um, but um, just to emphasise some points, uh, the promises to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob are also then promises uh, to us, but they require the work of the Lord Jesus Christ to achieve that, as we'll see uh, in a moment. And I'm also going to just stress that I think Christadelphians are actually really unusual as uh, a Christian group because of the amount of emphasis that we put on this. But I think it's really important um, it's essential, in fact, to understanding what the role of the Lord Jesus Christ is, because without the context of these promises, we don't really understand the full nature of the purpose of his life and his death and his resurrection. Uh, and so that's what we're now going to do. We're going to look at how Jesus has uh, achieved the fulfillment of these these promises. For there to be uh, resurrection and eternal life, for people to um, experience these promises that God has said would be everlasting, uh, there's got to be a way to overturn the first, well, I sort of said it was a promise, but it's, it's a curse, isn't it? The, the idea that uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. How can that be wound back? How could Jesus do that? Well, after being raised from the tomb, on the road to uh, Emmaus, Jesus appears uh, and explains to uh, some of his followers. And he uh, talks about the things that God has promised in the Old Testament uh, that are critical to understanding what Jesus's life was for. Um, Luke 24, and uh, from verse 44, uh, Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, so everything in the Old Testament, that's got to be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it was written that the Christ should suffer and the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed 
in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So Jesus is saying that the things that God has promised in the Old Testament are, are critical to understanding what his own life and purpose was all about. Uh, everything God revealed had to happen, and that included his own death and his resurrection. And that is what overcame the curse in Eden. Um, if we'd gone on to Genesis chapter 3, when we were back looking at Genesis, we would have read um, what it says in verse 15. Uh, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is speaking to the serpent, a, a sort of a representation there in the, uh, the, the story of the sinfulness. And God says that sin would bruise his heel. It would be a, a temporary injury. But the, the seed of the woman, a descendant of Adam and Eve, would bruise his head, bruise sin's head, deal a fatal blow. And writing to the Romans, the Apostle Paul says that this is how sin and death are overcome through the Lord Jesus. In Romans chapter 5, verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, um, back in the time of Adam and Eve, many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. As uh, verse 21, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But wait a moment. Aren't the promises confined to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob? Uh, so if we're not descended from them, um, then then how can we take part in this? Well, um, Daz kindly read our, our introductory reading from Genesis, uh, sorry, from Galatians uh, chapter three as an introduction to this this talk. And um, it's probably worth rereading this uh, for yourself afterwards, if you if you can spare a few moments. But just to pull out some key verses uh, again. Um, Verse six, just as Abraham believed God, verse seven, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So Paul's um, saying that the descendants of, of Abraham aren't those who are necessarily physically descended uh, from him, but those who have the same kind of faith as Abraham had. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So Jesus enables those blessings to be opened up to everybody who show faith. And verse 16, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. So the Lord Jesus is the focal point of all of these promises. Um, and then from him, those promises radiate out to all those who have faith in him. 
you might want to keep a, a, a margin, uh, sorry, a bookmark or something in, in Galatians 3. We're going to come back there in just a, a moment, but we will turn away um, just for a little bit. Um, but um, if we stand back and think about what we've, we've, we've been considering uh, and the world as it is, we can see that clearly a lot's got to change. Um, that's that's for another talk. We can't talk about all of that today. But um, the, the current nations and their governments and the, uh, the local and the regional strategic interests that they all have, um, we can't see them suddenly saying, oh, we accept Christ's authority straight away, at least not initially. But what we can say is that ultimately uh, Christ will bring his reign of peace through the whole world uh, and those blessings that we've been thinking about um, those who are citizens of that global righteous kingdom will share in the uh, wonderful time to to come uh, a time that we can be we can be part of um, all centered around the lord jesus christ reigning from jerusalem on David's throne, as God promised. Uh, and we're invited to take part. So how, how do we become part of this? Um, the Apostle Peter, um, writing in his first letter, um, talks about how Jesus brings us to God. Um, chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Um, and he's, he talks about uh, Noah as well. Uh, we've already mentioned the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in the which few, that's eight, uh, eight souls were saved through water. There's also um, an, an antitype, baptism, uh, corresponds to this uh paul says um so peter says not the the removal of um filth from the flesh not, not removing dirt from the body it's not not having a wash if you like it's not that kind of cleanness that's uh, happening um but it's an act of faith um a, an appeal to god for a good conscience through the resurrection of jesus christ um Again, we can't really go into it in great detail because of, of time, but baptism is a separate talk and the association that baptism has with the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, which is why baptism can only be um, full immersion in water um, of a, um, an adult who knows what that symbolism is all about. Anyway, um, the, the essential part then we see is baptism. Uh, linking us back to Noah. Um, and so when we see the rainbow, once again, just to, to say it, it's, it's a reminder that God has made promises not to destroy the world by a flood, but also that God has promised that those who are baptized, who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, will be saved. So coming back to the chapter we read uh, in our introduction um, 
and and now seeing how the key of of baptism is is there to associate ourselves with the death and the resurrection of jesus we see then that those who are in christ those who've been baptized who are following him and are true christian believers are then also heirs of the promises that are centered in jesus so that's potentially your part in god's promises and these are promises which are well i mean they they put the promise that's on this into insignificance really doesn't it um far more valuable than any number of banknotes we could we could think promises that were made to abraham to isaac to jacob to david to solomon to mary to others promises that were made to you too if you are in our christ's then you are abraham's offspring as according to the promise so next time you get a a banknote out to to pay for something um consider the reminder that it gives us that god has made promises but unlike money god's promises can't fail they are sure and if you choose to believe them then you can share in them too Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others until next time may god bless you in your studies and your walk towards god's kingdom amen